everybody. Welcome to the Action Report. I am Raven X, and alongside me today, we got Biggie, aka the biggest Grizzlies and Titans fan I know, aka Big ET. How you doing today, man? I'm good. How about you? I'm I'm kind of drowsy, but I'm swell. And also, we got here, even though he's gonna be joining the show a little bit later, the 55 minute 32 second man, aka Brother Keezy. AKA the Green Goblin, AKA Beast Boy. I called off work because I didn't feel like going. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Yeah. I, I'm here for the show, so that's what matters. Right. Priorities. <laughs> right? Who needs an income? <laughs> I'm here for like two hours. So I don't know. Oh, well, then, yeah. Let's do it. But we got a cool show for you guys today. We are going to talk quarterback carousel moves, including the recent hype around Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson potentially being traded, and we're finally going to touch on the Lions and Rams trade. With regards to the NBA, we are going to talk the NBA trade deadline, who we think is going to be on the move, and we're going to close out the show with our predictions for NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day. But before we get to any of that, please should check out the xreport.net. I repeat, the xreport.net for exclusive sports content run by yours truly fellow export writers. Previous episodes for our, of our lovely podcast on our YouTube channel entitled the X Report. So, starting off this NFL conversation, the season is over. But that does not mean that football is over. There's nothing to talk about. So, let's start off with a conversation about the Super, Super Bowl. Congratulations to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning 31-9 over the Kansas City Chiefs. First NFL team to host a Super Bowl and clearly the first to win. Congrats to them. Congrats to Brady on getting seven. So, Ethan, let's talk about what went right for the Bucks and what went wrong for the Chiefs. Yes. All right. Um, I guess I'll start with the women. Honestly, what went right for the Bucks, in my personal opinion, was their defensive front and their defensive line. Honestly, their whole entire defense. Right. Todd Bowles, Todd Bowles came over with a great defensive play. He kept two high safeties over the top to prevent Tyreek Hill from beating them downfield with his speed. Mm-hmm. And... The injuries along the um, the Chiefs' offensive line, they couldn't withstand the pressure that Jason Pierre-Paul, Shaq Barry, and Dominican Sue, they couldn't stand their pressure. And I think that, that, in my opinion, that was what won them the game. Yes, I understand Brady's going to get the spotlight because it's Tom Brady. And he had a, in my opinion, he had a good performance. He wasn't great. It was fine. But, yeah, like, he had the three touchdowns, but overall, like, his yards wise and everything, it was a very pedestrian performance, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely think that their defensive front seven helped out Lawrence the don't decide fact in the game. And also, the fact that on the offensive side of the ball, the um, the Buccaneers were very one, not, not one-sided, but very um, multi-dimensional. Like, mm-hmm. they were able to pass the ball they needed to, and they also were able to make plays in the run game, especially with Leonard Flanet. And I think that's what pretty much one of them games. From the Chiefs' side, what went bad is I stated it. I think their offensive line couldn't withhold, couldn't stand their pressure. And once they took away Tyreek Hill as a um, as a down the field three, it kind of shook them. I think there's something that I don't know if they'll be able to, given their cap room. I think something that the Chiefs should be able to try to look into this offseason is maybe trying to sign another receiver that can beat guys one-on-one. Because if they're going to keep Dublin and Tyreek Hill are having two high safeties. You have to have another guy on the opposite side of him that can win one-on-one matchups. And they honestly did 
I hear that. Um, so I'm gonna start in the inverse. I'm gonna start off with the Chiefs. One thing that went wrong was their defense got exposed. I mean, for the longest time, we've known that the Chiefs' defense was not exactly good, but they were serviceable. And I think that on uh, this past Sunday, we saw that they got exploited. They showed that um, they, they do get a big grabby in the secondary. Their pass rush isn't as effective as you would like it to be, even with an offensive line like the Bucks that has not been routinely great in the money that they are giving to pass rushers like Frank Clark and um, Chris Jones. Um, their linebackers aren't great, which kind of hurts them in the run game because they don't have anybody with real speed to stop anything. And like I said, their cornerbacks aren't that great. I mean, hell, even Tyron Matthew didn't have that great of a game, and he's easily their best defensive player um, this season. So I think that that was a thing that went wrong because it really came down to if the defense could get a couple of stops, if they could kind of help win the battle of um, – field position that would have helped a lot but because they were losing those battles their defense could not stop anything I personally think that along with the offensive line not producing was really what went wrong with regards to what went right um since you spent a lot of time talking about the defense I'm not going to keep beating that horse instead I'm going to say Gronk um one thing that I think everybody who watches football knows is that Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski have a tremendous connection, especially in the big moments. And like I mentioned with the Chiefs defense, I mean, they don't have really anybody who matches up pound for pound with Gronk. So that's why he was getting those touchdowns. That's why he was getting downfield with these because nobody could keep up with him. Nobody could cover him. And I mean, it's just that simple. I mean, if you look at the statistics from the game, real talk, most of the yards went to Gronk. And then A.B. had some plays as well. Mike Evans was pretty much a non-factor besides getting penalties called against him. So other than that, I think that those are the two things that really went right and went wrong. So because of the Super Bowl, especially when a team loses, everybody likes to take shots. It's just bound to happen. No matter the result, how they lose, the losing team somehow gets caught up in other teams' BS. And the Kansas City Chiefs are no exception to that. So following the Super Bowl loss, tight end Darren Waller did an interview with Josh Rock and uh, had this to say. We don't feel like the gap is that big, honestly. Speaking of the gap between the Las Vegas Raiders and the Kansas City Chiefs. So, Ethan, how bad, how big do you think the gap is between these two teams? Because, honestly, I, I think it's cute how he's trying to hype up his team. But I think that the gap is uh, it's pretty wide. I don't think that the Raiders are nowhere near the stratosphere that the Chiefs are in. I think that the gap is pretty substantial also. Like, I think that the Kansas City Chiefs are sitting at number one in the status of their own. And the Los Angeles Raiders are sitting at number two. But it's a very substantial size gap in between. Like, I understand that the Chiefs just recently lost the Super Bowl. But I don't even see the Raiders, that Raiders team, being capable of even making it to the Super Bowl. They right. have a lot of... They have a lot of things that they need to improve on to even make it to that point. I understand, like, I, I agree with you. I understand the company's aspect of, like, you being confident in your team and you give your team praise. But realistically, no, it's the Kansas City Chiefs and everybody else is behind them, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's not just go – that doesn't just go for the AFC West, but that's the whole AFC. I mean, even with a year like the Chiefs had, they had a great year. Sure, they lost in the Super Bowl, but, I mean, in the playoffs, they looked dominant. The only time they really didn't look that dominant was when um, Patrick Mahomes went down. Other than that, they looked like the Kansas City Chiefs, the team that is going to continue to run through the AFC unless some big changes are made. So, yeah, no, I think that 
like I said, I think that it probably provides confidence to Vegas because they have beaten the Chiefs. But I mean, even then, you may their team they'll beat the Chiefs, but then get their asses kicked by the uh, Falcons like the next week. So it's really difficult to really gauge the Raiders because they're so inconsistent. So I would say the gap is fairly big. But all right, so let's go ahead and move on to some weekly news. Got quite a few talking points. But we're going to start off with congratulating the inductees of the 2021 Hall of Fame class, starting with my guy, my all-time favorite quarterback, Peyton Manning, also Calvin Johnson, Charles Woodson, John Lynch, Bill Nunn, Alan Fineca, Drew Pearson, and Tom Flores. Once again, congratulations to you guys for making the Hall of Fame. But uh, not everybody was that stoked about the group. Terrell Owens, when he was asked about Calvin Johnson being a first ballot Hall of Famer, said, the Hall of Fame system is flawed. Ethan, do you agree that the NFL needs to make a change to its Hall of Fame system and how they induct players? Uh, I do agree that it's flawed, but I also think it's coming from it coming from Terrell Owens is not the proper way of going about getting it changed. Because quite honestly, we I think we both can agree, at least in my opinion, I feel like T.O. was the first ballot Hall of Fame. Absolutely. As far as, as, far as on the field wise, I think where it did where it does need to get skewed and um changed a bit is that they don't have to. Have, they don't need to put people's personal opinions in them. Like they need to right. have people solely based on on the field career, because that's the only reason T.O. wasn't first ballot because right. he had personal gripes with a lot of people in the media and people that voted for the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that I think what we need to, like you say, what really needs to be recognized is the talent ability. Now, don't get me wrong. Like if. T.O. would have did some really egregious stuff, like, you know, committed some really heinous crimes or was a woman beater or something like that, then yeah. But, I mean, people just didn't like him because he was dramatic, because he talked too much. But that didn't stop him from being one of the best wide receivers of all time. So, yeah, I don't think that – I totally understand his point of view, and I do think that the Hall of Fame has to do a better job of really deciding what makes players Hall of Famers. Because, let's be honest, T.O. should have been first ballot. I mean, there are a lot of cats who are great players. And it'd be one thing if T.O.'s numbers didn't back it up. So, Ethan, do you think that Calvin Johnson should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer? Uh, honestly, I do. Because, like, a lot of people don't realize Calvin Johnson, when he was an actual player, he was a freak of nature. Like, he was yeah. a beast. Like, I remember it was a game against the Bears. It was one random Sunday evening and like I was at work and they were showing the highlights of the game and I was like this was back when the Bears well the Bears did have a dominant defense right. this was back when the Bears had like they were one of the top three defenses in the league mm-hmm. and it's like ah they are about to kill Detroit next thing I know I see a highlight of Matthew Stafford rolling out the pocket and throwing a bomb to Calvin Johnson with like four dudes covering him and he came down with the ball like that's just the plays that Calvin Johnson made on a regular basis. I personally feel like he should be a first ballot Hall of Famer because I watched him a lot during his career. Right. Even though I'm not a big fan of receivers, but I think he should. I agree. I think that, you know, because players wait five years before they know if they can make the Hall of Fame or not, I think it kind of can make people forget just how dominant a player was. 
But, I mean, Calvin Johnson is a cat that, like, no matter who you had on your team defensively, he was going to get his. He was a big body. He moved incredibly fast for a big dude, had great hands, and could take a lot of punishment because they DBs tried to kill him, literally tried to knock this man out. And I think that, you know, the injuries and then playing for a losing squad like Detroit definitely ended his career earlier than, I mean, a lot of us think it should have been. But, I mean, you you watch Calvin Johnson and you're going to watch Domination. I mean, I think that... I mean, he's called Megatron for a reason. In my opinion, he's one of the best wide receivers that I've ever seen. Just for the simple fact of, I, I can always appreciate a player who you everybody knows he's coming. Everybody knows he's going to get the ball. And still nobody can do anything to stop it. And he, Calvin Johnson, was that personified. And so, yeah, I think he should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer. But also um, announced at the NFL Honors uh, last week. We got our NFL award winners. So, Ethan, what we're going to do is just going to run through the winners, and you tell me if you agree or disagree. Okay. Except for the uh, defensive player of the year, because I'm interested to hear. We talked about this a little bit before the show about, like, an argument you heard that kind of kind of changed your opinion on it. So, I'm interested to hear what that argument is. So, starting off with Offensive Rookie of the Year, not that much of a surprise. Justin Herbert, I disagree, but... I'm not surprised. Uh, I agree. Because I feel like when it comes down to offensive awards, uh, it's going to be predominantly a quarterback award anyway. So I agree with that call. Defensive rookie of the year, Chase Young. Yeah, I'm not surprised. He deserved it. Yeah, he did. That's my guy. Defensive player of the year, Aaron Donald. Now, this is where the discrepancy was for me. I believe it should have been T.J. Watt. Still believe it should have been T.J. Watt. But what is your argument to this claim? Okay, so initially when I saw this, I was in the grills of view. I thought it should be T.J. Watt. But then a friend, an old classmate of mine that played defensive tackle for Ole Miss, um, he he talked about it on Facebook and we – and I didn't really comment on it. I just read comments and things that they mentioned. He made a very valid point to change my opinion. That the reason he felt like Aaron Donald should have won the award and he was rightfully so in winning is because when you're an interior defensive lineman, putting up those stats is ridiculous because you have so many different protection schemes instead of to try to stop you because you're inside. And it's a whole lot easier to get stats on as an edge player because especially now in the NFL because there's so much passing going on. You have so many opportunities to get a quarterback. And the fact that Aaron Donald was able to basically, like, he had, what, one and a half, two and a half less sacks than him playing D-tackle. And he had, like, maybe ten less tackles than him playing D-tackle. When he's facing maximum protections, he's facing – triple teams and double teams on a night-to-night basis. So once I saw that, and I actually like looked at a couple, looked at some tape, like I remember that one play against the Cowboys where he legit looked like he just shoved three grown men into the back of, into the stomach of Dak Prescott to get a hit. That changed my mind. I understand that argument. I look at it like this. The power of Aaron Donald is he has the ability to move all over the line. So he's listed as a defensive tackle, but I've seen him lined up his defensive end if he felt like he had a soft spot there. Like, I've seen him, and because the, um, like I said, because of the control he has with the Rams, he can move all over the line when he wants to. 
And I I do understand the point about being an interior lineman because you don't typically when you're a defensive end unless a double team is coming and you gotta be blocked by a, a tight end as well. You're usually just going up against with the tackle. With regards to an interior lineman, you're usually going up against a guard, possibly the center too, maybe even the tackle trying to get in there as well. So I do see that argument, but I do think that I would say what T.J. Watt did was more deserving of the award. I won't say more impressive just because Aaron Donald is an incredibly impressive player. But, I mean, T.J. Watt played in less games than Aaron did but put up better numbers. And the thing is, he did so without as good of a defense around him. Not to say that the Steelers' defense was bad by any means, but they didn't have the firepower that the Rams had. And so for TJ to continue to go, especially after uh, Bud Dupree got hurt, where he and then he was the only pass rusher that they had, and they still was able to generate pressure. So, yeah, I would go TJ still. But, I mean, it's hard to argue against Aaron Donald winning this award every year. But I do see that argument. So I, I understand that point of view. Offensive player of the year, Derrick Henry, no real surprise for me. You already know I'm riding with my guy. Yeah. Kevin Stefanski wins coach of the year. Not mad at that. Yeah, I'm not mad at it. I thought, given the year that they had, I definitely feel like he should have won it. Yeah, I mean, like I, I said, like when we were making our predictions, the I would have went with Ron Rivera until the uh, Browns won a playoff game. And so since they won a playoff game, I think that's what pushed the fancy to the uh, to get it. Um, comeback player of the year and Alex Smith, I mean, it couldn't have went to anybody else. Yeah, nobody, honestly. And then MVP, Aaron Rodgers, no real surprise there. I'm not mad at it. Yeah, me neither. I knew he was going to win. Yeah. Well, I personally would have gave it to Derrick Henry, but like I stated earlier, Yeah. All right, so let's keep up with some retirements that have taken place thus far this offseason. We already talked about Phillip Rivers. Greg Olson, after 14 years, has retired and is going to be joining Fox as a broadcaster soon. Um, Jason Wynn retires again uh, this after 17 years. And um, the Pouncey twins, Marquise and, Marie- and Mike Pouncey, both centers in the league, have decided to retire. So... Of the four, Greg, Jason, uh, Greg, I'm Greg, Jason, Mike, and Maurice. With Marquise, I'm sorry. Which one do you think is more likely to be a first ballot Hall of Famer? Because I'm gonna say Jason. Uh, yeah, I gotta go Jason. Yeah. But all of them had great productive careers. But I mean, Jason Wynn was that guy. No matter how you feel about the Cowboys, Jason Wynn was good for at least. Three catches, and that's being that's on a that's on a light night. That's on the easy. And being, and being honest, Jason, up until he got older, Jason Witten was always, in my personal opinion, a top ten tight end. Yeah, year. absolutely. Just yeah. in terms of consistency, he caught everything. Yeah. And like he was, he was turning Romo's um, security blanket for so many years. As much as I despised him and Tony Romo when they played, mm-hmm. but like he made a lot of big plays for this for Romo and. I definitely will go Jason Witten. Yep, I hear you on that as well. All right, so let's talk this quarterback carousel because I don't know about you, but in recent years, I don't think it has been this much quarterback drama to end a season in a while. So let's start off with some um, news that came out a few weeks ago. 
The um, Los Angeles Rams traded for a quarterback of the Detroit Lions, Matthew Stafford. Um, in return, they got Jared Goff, a 2022 first-round pick, a 2023 first-round pick, and a 2021 third-round pick. Reports also came out that they tried to get Aaron Donald, and the Rams responded with, hell no. But looking at that trade, who would you say is the winner and who is the loser? Uh, I think it depends on what you, how the perspective you're looking at it. Like if you're thinking, if you're thinking win now, I would say the Rams won. Mm-hmm. But if you're thinking long term future, I definitely would say Detroit because they have more first round picks. And quite honestly, the Rams don't have a first round pick for like the next seven years. Because they traded all their first round picks. But I think the Rams are in super win now mode. And if you get a healthy Matthew Stafford, that could that, with that defense, that team could make the Super Bowl, in my opinion. I would agree with that. I would take Matthew Stafford over Jared Goff any day of the week. And he's more aggressive. He's a better decision maker, does not turn the ball over as much. So I think that with regards to um winning now, I think that getting uh, Matthew Stafford gives them a top-tier quarterback, something they have not had in a long time. And I think that he can really help turn the page for this organization. Um, I think the only thing that really may hold them back is just run game consistency. Because Cam Akers did come on, but you got to get that going on a consistent basis. But I think if they're able to do that, that's going to help out a lot. We know their defense is good. Even if ignoring the guys like um, Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. I mean, Darius Williams had a great year last year. Um, John Johnson, if they're able to bring him back, would be great. Um, but even if they don't, Jordan Fuller came on last year. They have a good linebacking core. The Rams are just an overall nicely built team. And I think that by bringing in a quarterback like Matthew Stafford, who, though, I, I like I said, I would take over Jerry Goff any day, I think that he's like a couple of steps above so I think that that could just be the piece that they need to make it all happen. So in terms of looking at the NFC West and as it stands now, because quarterback carousel, but in terms of the quarterback situations presently and the teams, where do you see the Rams stacking up in the division? Uh, I honestly see the Rams being either second or first. It depends on the reason I say second or first is it depends, it depends to me on Seattle because in my opinion Seattle has the best quarterback. Right. But they don't have the in my they don't have the best overall team. Like their yeah. defense improved last year, but they have, in my opinion, either the weakest or second weakest defense in that division behind with Arizona. And, you know, it's been stated. Russell's tired of getting hit and like as a former Seahawks fan, I feel them. I watched them take a bunch of sets. Right. And like, who knows? Like at the end of these, at the end of this offseason, Russell might not even be in Seattle anymore because he might just be like, you know what? You guys aren't going to give me any old line help or any say in the decisions we make as far as the roster. Then I'm gonna head out. I'm gonna pull up Deshaun Watson. I'm gonna pull up whoever, and I'm gonna go. So I can see it being. 1A, 1B type of thing with them in Seattle, and maybe San Francisco sneaking in to get to the party also. I'm not that worried about uh, San Francisco right now until they fix their quarterback situation. And especially, they're going to have problems with corner. So, I think that they have a couple more holes that they need to take care of. I think that losing uh, Robert Sala is going to be a big loss to their defense. Even though they do have a talented group, I just don't see them 
being that ready to compete on the level of, I can see the Rams or the Seahawks, especially if they are able to keep Russ. But speaking of Russ, he's been real vocal lately, and we're not used to that. I'm not used to Russell tweeting his displeasure, as us wrestling fans like to say, but... In recent interviews, Russell talked about it. First off, in terms of involvement, he said, I want to be involved. One of the reasons Tom went to Tampa was because he could trust those guys and Bruce Arians would give him an opportunity. Anytime you bring in free agents and you want the best players, ones who love the game, it helps to be involved more. And that's Russ speaking to wanting to be involved with decision-making around the team, which is also understandable. He also said, I'm frustrated with getting hit too much. And so since he has been got drafted in 2012, here are the numbers. He's been sacked 394 times. The next closest is Matt Ryan, who was sacked 325. And I got more stats because it's um it's it's pretty wild. So in terms of the frustration of Russell, and then of course teams are calling about a trade because hell yeah, they'll call about trade. Quarterbacks. A lot of teams need a quarterback. Russell Wilson is still one of the best in the league. Do you think that Seattle is going to help out Russell, give him what he wants, and help bring him more involved? Or do you think that whether we're seeing this smoke about a potential trade is going to lead to a fire? to find a guy who you can build your franchise around and not just say you're going to do it, but he goes out and performs. He's brought you a Super Bowl. You've been to the playoffs every year but once since he's been under the helm. And he's doing this with a terrible offensive line. He's doing this with very little help. And I think that I think they are going to work to get him some help. I just think the question is going to be, how are they going to do it? Because right now they don't have the most uh, cap space. And then they don't have a first-round pick because of the Jamal Adams trade. Personally, I think that the perfect situation would be to find a way to trade for Orlando Brown. 
because Baltimore is going to be looking to trade him. Baltimore is going to want a lot in return, but I mean, to get a premier left tackle, you already have a promising guard in Damian Wilson. If you still, if Dwayne Brown doesn't decide to retire, you can move him to right tackle and then you can draft a guard. I think that it makes too much sense not to try to make that move. It's just a matter of how would you go about it. You may have to cough up because let's be honest, it's Baltimore and they don't have a, and Seattle doesn't have a number one pick this year. You may have to cough up a guy like maybe Tyler Lockett, maybe somebody you don't really want to part ways with, but in an effort to make your quarterback happy, you got to make a move like this unless you're trying to put your team into a rebuild. And I don't think that Pete Carroll, he's what? He's in his 70s. I think he's the oldest coach in the league right now. He is the oldest coach. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think he's going to want to deal with the rebuild. I don't think he's going to want to start over from scratch, especially at his age. So I think that they're going to do what they can to make Russell happy. Because even though Russell isn't like most players who are like, is going to make an uproar and vocalize everything he's feeling about his frustration, I mean, if he's starting to talk now, it's clear that changes need to be made. It's clear that he's getting tired of getting hit. Like you said, he's getting older. He's... He's got a family. He knows that he wants to win another Super Bowl, and a way to get him, get the team back to the Super Bowl, back to that success, is by getting them more protection. So I think that Seattle will do it. They can say what they want about being upset or whatever, but they're not going to trade Russell. They're they're not that crazy because you just. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I was going to say to an extent I do agree with you because people have to realize that. Honestly, in Seattle, Russell Wilson is probably the biggest sports figure there right now. Without a doubt. Like, him and Sue Bird are the two biggest, most prominent sports figures in that city. So, if you try Russell, you're going to have a... And honestly, since they don't have NBA basketball, there's so many people there that love the Seahawks. Like, it's really a Seahawks town. Right. Because there's not that many other major sports franchises that's in that city. So if you trade Russell, you're gonna have a bunch of angry fans on your hands. And rightfully so, because you're pushing your team into a rebuild. Cause I saw I saw a Seahawks fan page and it was like, we're not trading Russell unless somehow we can get Deshaun Watson. Which other than that, I mean that's the only trade off that would make sense. And so yeah, I wouldn't be mad at him. I wouldn't uh I wouldn't trade him. If I'm Seattle, you gotta keep Russ happy. But alright, so Let's talk about another quarterback and a team that's trying to make him happy. The Dallas Cowboys are still trying to set up a long-term deal with Dak Prescott, but news news outlets are reporting that if they cannot get a long-term deal done, they will franchise tag Prescott again. Do you think that is a good move for the Cowboys? like a 
it's a glass half empty, glass half full situation because I think it could be good because you will still have your quarterback one extra season, but it could be bad because you might lose the trust of your quarterback to make the decisions in the in the future. I I've never professed to be that big of a fan of Dak Prescott, but I like this move for the Cowboys for the sole purpose of you get you franchise tag him, you have him under tow for one more year. And if he does not produce for you, if y'all don't make the playoffs, you know, all right, it's time to move on. In truth, if I was them, I'd rather franchise tag him rather than give him a long-term deal. Because let's be honest, he's coming off of a very serious injury. So we got to make sure that he's rehabbed. He's good for that. Throughout his career, he has not done much to really make you a contender. He's been a fine quarterback. He's been average, but he has not done enough to make you the Dallas Cowboys into a threat. Why? Because so much money is tied into the offense and how much money he's getting that you guys have not focused on your defense as you should. So I would say, yeah, tag him for one more year. And if he has a great year, you bite the bullet. All right, fine. We got to make something happen. We'll try to give you a deal. But if not, it, if he does not have a good year, then it's like, you know what? The salary, the franchise tag for this year may be pricey, but at the very least, hey, at least we know what we're getting out of him. So I would do it just one more year. And if he doesn't produce, if y'all don't make the playoffs, that's your answer. Like, if you if he does not lead you guys to the playoffs, that tells you everything you need to know. And then you need to start the process of moving on. I agree, I agree now that you said that because, yeah, that hasn't been, like, for whatever reason, people kind of put that in this category of, like, he's going to be the next great quarterback to step up and lead this thing to a, to a championship. But he hasn't really shown it. Like, mm-hmm. he won, yes, he won a playoff game with the Cowboys, but honestly, the only reason he won that playoff game against the Seahawks was because Janikowski was hurt. He couldn't make a field goal. Right. So, um, I agree. I think just, and like you said, he, he's coming off a bad injury. So, yeah, I, I changed my opinion. Franchise tag him, see what you have in him this coming season. And if he doesn't show you what you think you need in a quarterback or what you want in a quarterback, just let him go. Exactly. But, all right, one last piece of quarterback news. It's actually going to be a twofer. With regards to Deshaun Watson. Now, we can't talk about the Texans without announcing that they released J.J. Watt after 10 Long years as a Texan, three-time defensive player of the league, led the franchise, leads the franchise in sacks. Uh, I want to say forced fumbles, anything exactly. So before we we talk about Deshaun, where ideally. We're not gonna not being personally biased, but what team do you think is the best fit? For JJ Watt. Okay, I have a couple. Okay. The first, the first one, I am going to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Outside of the fact that he would, outside of the fact that he would be playing with his brother, I'll leave that. That'll be a great story. But it's also just like he would be going to a team that's historically known for being a great defensive football team. He would step into a tradition that. That produces winners, and that's something that JJ Watt wants to do. He loves to win. He wants to be on a winning franchise. In Pittsburgh, is historically known franchise for winning. And then I think because of the way that their defense is currently set up, he won't be asked to do 
you a lot because you will be on that defensive line with Cam Hayward and Stephen Tui. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's not just going to be like, oh, we just got to stop JJ. Like, he's going to be on the defensive front with, three, with two other dogs. Mm-hmm. And he'll be able to, I feel like he'll be able to produce. The second team, why not go, why not have a homecoming? Why not go back to Green Bay um, and go back to Wisconsin? They need, I think what cost them, like, this, um, doing this playoffs is like they need, they need more help defensively. And I think that this would cost them, like, yes, they forced Tom Brady to throw three interceptions and things of that nature, but, like, up front, as far as pass rush, they need some more juice up front in the, in the pass rush. And I think J.J. Dwight could produce it. And I'm not, this isn't a bias opinion, but I will say the Tennessee Titans, because the Tennessee Titans, they need pass rush help. And, and a lot of J.J. Watt's best years as a player, he was coached under Mike Verbal. Um, yeah, my two teams are the same as yours with regards to the Packers and Steelers. To be honest, the only thing that I think is kind of holding the Steelers back is just their their cap situation is terrible. And right now, Big Ben is accounting for 41 mil against the cap. So, unless he's going to play for a veteran's minimum, which I highly doubt, I don't see that one happening. But, yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement with you as far as those same two moves. But, let's be honest. Another face of the franchise is gone. Deshaun Watson is the last man standing. And the Texans are telling teams that Mr. Watson is not available yet. He's not going to be available via trade. Despite the fact he has not spoken with the front office in a number of days, he also has not spoken with new head coach David Culley. And they're telling teams the goal is to get him back. Do you think that Deshaun Watson will be traded? Uh, I do. I think it's gonna be a long, drawn-out process, but I eventually feel like he will. I think Deshaun Watson's gonna probably end up holding out because, like, even the higher deck because it's another one of those like moves that the Texans have made. Like Deshaun Watson was like, I want to be involved in the hiring process, and they hired a guy. I'm pretty sure, I'm presumably that Deshaun Watson didn't like. Yeah. And I feel like Deshaun, the hire that they should have made, especially to try to keep Deshaun Watson, was Eric the enemy. Mm-hmm. Because he's a black, he's a, first off, he's a black man. So hiring a black man dispels and tries to help dispel this whole notion that you guys are an incredibly racist organization, which we all know that they are. Right. But you hire a black man for a black quarterback. And then he's also one of the best offensive coordinators in the NFL to this day. Like, yes, he has. Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and all of these other things. And you don't have you have quarterback talent in the sun, but you don't have the other pieces. But you can bring in the other pieces right. to help it. But that's the move I would have made. But I think that the sun eventually ultimately he's gonna get traded because I feel like he's just gonna hold out until mm-hmm. I'm not playing. I think that the the thing is and playing devil's advocate, I totally understand why the Texans do not want to trade Deshaun. Yeah, for sure. However, yeah, of course. However, the problem is they are not making the moves to want to keep him. They are not doing things to entice him to want to stay, which is the problem. And so I don't think he's going to get traded the only way I see him getting traded is, because let's be honest, if he doesn't get traded before the draft, it's not going to happen. 
because they're going to have to wait to rebuild the quarterback situation unless they get somebody in tow. And Deshaun is a hot commodity. He is worthy of being drafted for multiple first-round picks. But we can tell that right now the Texans are gearing towards a rebuild. And the worst thing for a rebuild is wasting a promising young quarterback. However, I don't think the Texans really care. And so in saying that, I don't think they're going to trade him. Like, I think they're – I'm sure they've gotten some great offers. I know they've gotten calls from almost every team in the league. But I I don't think it's going to happen. I think that they are going to – who was it? Was it DeAndre Jordan? Who the, oh, yeah, the Clippers didn't want him to leave, so they, like, barricaded the door. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they, it, it was Doc. It was Doc. Right? Yeah. It was Doc Rivers. Uh, it was Doc Rivers, Blake, and I think CP. They came into his house and locked him in his house. Yeah, until he renegotiated the deal. I think it's going to kind of be one of those situations, but instead of renegotiating the deal, they're just going to hold him hostage and not trade him. And which is unfortunate, which I feel like could lead to a holdout, but I just think that in the Texans' front office mind, they think that something can work out. They think that there can somehow be a way to repair this relationship. And unless they go balls to the walls and free agency and make some big trades and fixes that defense before anything else, I don't think it's I don't think it's gonna make him happy. So no, I don't I don't think he's gonna end up being traded. But bye, let's talk some basketball. Let's talk NBA as we get closer to the NBA trade deadline, which is going to be taking place March 25th. So, Ethan, what were your top three takeaways from this past week's action? Top three takeaways are the Utah Jazz has been on the road. Like, this is the hottest team in the NBA right now. I think they lost against the Bucks last night, but they're like – I think they won that game. Hold on, let me look. Okay. I think they won. I, I fell asleep before it ended, I think. So yeah, I they won 129-115. to 115. Okay, so they're like, they're legit like 20-5, 21-5. Mm-hmm. This hands down the best record in the NBA. Um, Number two, Supernova Curry is back. Over the course of last week, Stephen Curry averaged 41, 40 points, shooting 57% from the field, and was shooting 43% from three and like 92% from the free throw line. Like, he's having a MVP caliber season. He's just not, he just doesn't have the rest of the team around him that he used to have where he would get really noticed. Right. And, you know, number one, I mean, number three, you know, uh, just everybody stay healthy. Yeah. Like, because it's been like, it feels like we haven't really had, like, this is like a nice stretch of games where we haven't had, like, noticeable COVID issues. And I just want to say, like, everybody, all the players just stay healthy and abide by the contract tracing rules and things of that nature so you can keep the season going. I feel that. Um, all right, let's talk Mamba Players of the Week. Starting out of the East, this was kind of tough, but, I mean, game, recognized game. So I'm going to go Zach Levine. Been balling. I mean, in the last few games, or last four games, his numbers have been uh, 39, 35, 46, and then 26. Really going on a tear. The only problem is he's on a bad team, so he's not getting recognized as much. But, I mean, Zach Levine has been having probably the most effective 
um, and statistically driven uh, season of his career. So, much respect to Zach. He's my Mamba Player of the Week. Understandable. Now, out the West, you talked about Steph. Steph has been balling. But to be a Mamba, you got to ball out when it matters. And so my Mamba player of the week out the West is going to be Carmelo Anthony in a crucial game against the Philadelphia 76ers. Twenty, I mean, out of his 24 points, 17 of them bad boys came in the fourth quarter. Help propel his team to a victory. Currently, the Trailblazers are four out of five, or um, four and one in the last five games. And in the four of those five, he's had twenty points. He's really stepped up. So Melo's my Mamba Player of the Week. Hey, yeah, I love what Melo did. He showed he showed them cats the old dogs the got new tricks. Even though they really weren't old, like every bucket he put up was vintage Melo in New York in um Denver. Tyrese Halliburton for the Kings, consistent, consistently being a great cat um, coming off the bench. Last few games, the 23 most notably against the Nuggets was really huge. Um, putting up double digits last five. I mean, he's really just been producing and playing well in his role. Yeah, I'm also going to go Tyrese Halliburton for everything that you just stated. And I think he, he's been a part of, like, the reason the Kings are on the hook team. Yeah. Because, like, before this season started, the kids were like one of those teams where it's like, we don't know what they're going to look like. Like, on paper, they have a good roster that they can make the playoffs with or fight to make the playoffs with. But for whatever reason, throughout the course of the season, granted, I know this is the, this is something that they're known for doing because it's still early in the season. But like, early in the season, the kids are like a real contender. But then towards the end of the season, it's like, okay, they fell back until they where they're supposed to be, where they're like a bottom feeder in the West. But I think they're on the uptick. They have De'Aaron Foster. In my opinion, he's an all-star. Right. And Tyrese Halliburton is a big part of it, too. Yeah, I hear you on that. I mean, it's hard to, like you said, it's hard to gauge what the Kings are. But, I mean, it's they are not without young talent. They have a talented young core. It's just, it's difficult for them to really be able to put it together. Speaking of putting things together, let's talk the NBA trade deadline so it got about over a month until the deadline hits but that we are not without a lot of rumors so ethan top three trades you could see taking place over the next month and a half top three trades um i could see bradley bill going to a contending team i'm not going to put a specific um team name with it Mm-hmm. But I can see him being traded to some form of a contender. Um, number two is I can see 
can see the next making moves to get big men them because they have none. They definitely need it. Um, Andre Drummond is a name that's been really popular about him potentially being bought out, but it seems like the Cavs are not looking to buy him out. They'd rather trade him, which I understand. want to get something in return. Um, my three uh, trade predictions, it's more so just player-based. Uh, J.J. Reddick to the Nets. He's been a player that a lot of people have been talking about. The Nets, it's no surprise, need more depth off the bench. So I think that J.J. could provide some scoring. And plus, he his preferred trade destinations are apparently in the New York area because he has family there. So why not go to the Nets, go to a contender? Um, number two, Victor Oladipo to the Heat. I think that um, even though he just got traded to the Rockets, it's no guarantee that Depot is going to be with the Rockets long-term or even past this season. I think that he could provide um, some more toughness and more shooting to the Miami Heat, especially as they kind of work their way back to being a playoff contender. And then number one, uh, Lonzo to the Clippers. We talked about it last week, and I think that when there's smoke, there's fire. And I think that, um, I think that the Pelicans, despite knowing who their top two players are, after that it gets pretty muddled. And I think that Lonzo could be a guy who's moved as a means to kind of clear up some confusion there. But uh, speaking of the Clippers, um, reports are coming out that they have made uh, Pat Bev and Lou Will available via trade. So, Ethan, let's say it. All right, I'm not going to say the Grizzlies. Well, I'll say it for the Grizzlies. Which one would you prefer to add to the roster between with Lou Will and Pat Bev? I mean, provide helps us with our three-point range. Pat Bev is great, but, I mean, the NBA is an offensive game. And I think that if you can't score buckets consistently, you're not going to be given as much attention as you probably deserve. Because Pat Bev is a great player, but his shooting, his scoring isn't where it other point guards are. All right, let's go ahead and talk about the Toronto Raptors, who apparently it seems that Kyle Lowry could find himself on the move. Apparently his he and his family placed his Toronto home up on the market potentially for sale. So could you see Kyle Lowry getting traded, and if so, to where? I definitely could see Kyle Lowry getting traded. I think that his time in Toronto has, um, has, has gone up. Um, I think that... He's been a fixture in the organization for years. He he won a championship. He's won big games in the organization. So I think they want to, as a payback for him in the organization, they want to send him off to another contender. Mm-hmm. Me personally, if I were a team trying to get Kyle Lowry, I would I would be it would be Philly. Yeah. For one, he's from he's from the area. He's from Philly. He went to Villanova. He provides that toughness that 
they, I feel like they would need, especially in the playoffs, is he can also make plays. He's still a very capable scorer. Yeah, I'm actually in agreement with you. Philly was also my top pick for all the reasons that you said. I think that he would be a perfect fit with what's going on. And also, he's a point guard who he's not going to take the attention away from Joel Embiid. If anything, he's going to be better to facilitate facilitate the ball to him. So I think that him going to Philly would be a great move. It'd just be a matter of what would they get in return. I think that that would be the biggest thing. But all right, let's talk D-Rose. D-Rose, everybody pretty much figured he was going to end up getting traded, but it was officially announced um, almost a week ago that he was going to be traded to the New York Knicks. He's going back to NYC. Um, in addition to that, he's going to the Knicks, and then the uh, Pistons are going to get Dennis Smith Jr. and a second-round pick. So, Ethan, what are you expecting out of Derrick Rose in New York? I just I expect D-Rose to be a, a professional. Like, I don't expect for him to be, like, a dominant scoring player mm-hmm. on, on their team. I just think he's – I honestly and truly think he's on their team for leadership and experience and a visual presence because – their team has a lot of young talent, a lot of good young talent. And Derrick Rose is one of those players that a lot of young players, they when they were coming up in their playing days, like high school and college, they saw D. Rose. Like, they saw him win MVP. They saw him go toe-to-toe with LeBron before he got hurt in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the, guy that, that's the guy that you can put in your locker room and younger cats will listen to. So that's really why I think he, he got traded there. And plus, he has a really good connection with Tibbs. Right. Like, Tibbs loves D. Rose. Yeah, back in their days with Chicago, had very productive years together. And, yeah, I think that, like you said, he provides veteran leadership. He knows how Thibs likes things done. And so because he does, he can kind of echo that to the younger guys who, like you said, looked up to him. I mean, because let's be honest, Derrick Rose, I can't say if he's ever going to make the Hall of Fame, but in terms of fans, everybody has a healthy respect for Derrick Rose. Everybody appreciates what he did. It's unfortunate that injuries kind of – um kind of shut that down for him. But, no, I, I agree. I think that, like, nobody expects him to become an all-star in New York or anything, but I think he's going to be a productive player. Just provide some veteran leadership. But, all right, um, one more piece of news before we peace out um, and do these uh, nightly game predictions. Kevin Garnett, while it seems like a lot of old heads have been giving the NBA players of today the business KG is giving, turning around and saying that it's really older guys who would struggle to play in today's NBA. He said this, I don't think guys from 20 years ago could play in this game. I don't know if even the guards from 20 or 30 years ago could play in this time right here. It's creative, it's competitive, it's saucy, you'll get dropped. So, do you agree with uh, KG that we are underestimating this era and that older players would struggle in today's game? I agree to an extent. I I feel like big men in, in the older generation were struggling in this generation because of the fact that the way that they defend the pick and roll and things of that nature, you have so many guards that can space the floor from deep and shoot. Like, you can't sag on the screen from Steph Curry and Damian Lillard in the slightest. Like, you can sag to the three-point line and they'll just pull it up from half court. Mm-hmm. And I think that they will struggle with that defensively. Um, guards, I don't. I think guards are actually be great because the thing is, like the guards back in those days were like they were creative and they were saucy. They mm-hmm. just were doing it in the area where it was a big dominating lead. Like if you put case in point, prime example, if you put a healthy Barry Davis in today's NBA, he'd be great. Barry, Barry Davis. 
Understandable. Uh, Philadelphia 76ers taking on the Phoenix Suns. Another good game. 
I'm gonna go 76ers though. Uh, Atlanta Hawks taking on the Indiana Pacers. I got Hawks. I got Pacers. Um, Houston Rockets versus the New York Knicks. I'm going to go Rockets. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go Rockets. And the Brooklyn Nets taking on the Golden State Warriors and what I believe is Kevin Durant's return game. It I, is. It's return to the Bay. Yeah, I got Nets. I got Golden State. All right, let's talk some WWE. Now, before we get to Jiggy Django with the WWE, let us extend our congratulations to the Yimitless couple of Keith Lee and Mia Yim who got engaged a couple of days ago. Yay! Yeah. Congratulations, guys. We love to see it. Everyone to get in the ring now. Somebody's just not getting in the ring. It's Reckoning versus Xavier Woods. No, Reckoning, she looks a lot like me and him. They're that's twins. Why, that's why I brought it up. They're twins. You know that? I didn't actually, you know? Yeah, that's her evil twin. Mm. She has a social media platform as well. Reckoning, yeah. Someone else has a fashion book called The Reckoning. Okay, well, that's not important because they're not important. Gosh. Gosh, do you even watch wrestling? Yeah, sometimes. I like it. But speaking of NXT, because, you know, the people just mentioned are NXT alums, Edge apparently wants to get Jiggy Jiggy Django with some NXT opponents. And then, um, in, of course, with every takeover, Trips has a media call, and um, he was asked about Mr. Edge, and he said this. He really is in a place in his mind where he wants to build young talent and just keep them rolling in different directions. So he has been talking to me since prior to coming back the first time in the Royal Rumble over a year ago of coming to NXT and not only stepping in the ring and talking, but stepping in the ring and performing. So that'd be fun. So top three NXT dream matches for Mr. Adam Copeland. Go! Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly. Nice. For me... Three, my, like three most immediate ones there. Ben. For me, I'm going to say Tommaso Ciampa, uh -huh. Walter. Why would you do that to him? Because he joked <laughs> about facing Walter and now I want to see it. <laughs> he said it. He's like, maybe I'll face Walter. Okay. And Pete Dune. I mean, I, I think we're going to see Edge having an NXT match. And then, you know who I want her to have a match with? I want her to have a match with either of the men until five. And their members of Brizongo. <laughs> so, um, Beth Phoenix yeah, will have so, to decide which so Beth group. For here. Um, Who are you going to fangirl over now? God, that's when Edge was on NXT last week. She, she didn't say a word. She didn't say anything, and I was <laughs> waiting for her to say something. Like, we know you guys are married. Gosh. She said, she said not a word. So, like, hmm. Now, in the match, you have to do your job now. But who are you going to root for? Um. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think it should be Tyler Breeze. I think so too. Like since he is Prince Pretty, you're like, huh? And that's huh. And he's the rated R superstar. Movie interessante there. I like it. I think it'd be fun. But speaking of Edge, he wants to do something else too. And that's tag team with his good buddy, former brother, then Matthew's became his best friend, Christian. 
He said, I would love it. I think at some point that would need to happen just because there's so many opportunities there between Edge and Christian against the Usos. I mean, man, Edge and Christian against the New Day, Edge and Christian against Ziggler and Rude. Their name is Rudolph. Come on now. Get caught up with the times. Edge and Christian versus the Street Profits. Not for nothing, Edge and Christian versus Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins. There's some stuff there. Do you think we will see a return of Edge and Christian? No, maybe. No. No, we're not doing that maybe. You got to answer. Yeah, maybe. I hate you. Because, you know, ma- maybe if they actually do have a tag team turn, they might have to take tag team wrestling serious. <laughs> Can't say it with straight face. I don't know why you just said it. <laughs> uh, In NXT, yeah, go ahead. Do what you want. Right. Can you say it with a straight face? No, you can't. <sighs> but, you know, we can only hope, you know, given the chance that they return. And hopefully they do something with tag team wrestling in general. I can see it happening because honestly, I don't really think they're gonna do anything with Christian like as a solo run. So him and Christian, Christian, they're great, but you're not Edge. So no, I just mean like I don't see him really competing for like a singles championship. So it's just like, what better way to like put him in the forefront, give him a check, then bring back Edge and Christian? It'll bring a boost to the tag team division because old heads would care. Like oh, nostalgia. Even though I don't think they're gonna bring back the kazoo's and the the glasses, which would kind of suck. But you know. I, I mean, that's broken the glass in like years. <laughs> that one is like the early 2000s. That don't mean they won't bring it back. They bring back them ugly yellow shirts, too. Those are hideous. Y'all, that's 2001 here. Hey. I said what I said. But yeah, I, I can see them doing it. But um, let's talk about somebody else who was near and dear to my heart. My boyfriend, Damian Priest. Who, as we all know, has re- Why are you making that face? I saw the next thing. Oh yeah, I forgot to put this on here. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about Damian Priest first. Stop it, stop it. Gosh, you're you're looking ahead, you head. Anyway, in a recent interview with Sports Skeeter, my boo Damian talked about his run in NXT and said that he wasn't happy with the run because he felt like there was so much left for him to accomplish. In that, he said there's still a lot I didn't accomplish that I would I would have liked to do. I would say this. I mean, hey. Finn Balor did it, you know. He achieved success on Raw and SmackDown, and then continued achieving his success in NXT. It goes without saying that everybody's expecting him at some point to do it again and be successful on Raw and SmackDown. So you never know. But, yeah, there is something. I wouldn't say disappointed as far as that I didn't win the championship. Not because I moved on or anything, just in general. Like, I wanted to be the champion. I wanted to be the guy. So I still believe that there is time for that. But, yeah, there's a lot... There's still a lot that I feel that was unaccomplished in NXT. Which high key is like the story of almost everybody in NXT who doesn't stay in NXT forever. Yeah, hey, we're gonna bring you up, but, but I just I can't just carry it down. That's crazy, but we're gonna bring you up and we might use you, then we might not. We'll see. I so, mean So see you Monday, right? 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 Yes. So, so, say right. <laughs> Left. <laughs> I mean, I think that, like I said, like I think that's what everybody in NXT, because, like, unless you're in NXT forever, like Johnny Gargano, like a Tommaso Ciampa, or how Adam Cole is, like, you're there's going to be stuff that you wish you did. Because, I mean, there's only one, there's only one championship, the North American, I mean, not North, but there's only one, like, premier championship. And not everybody can be champion during their time there. Mm-hmm. there you know how many people were in NXT and didn't hold a championship and then went to SmackDown and or Raw? Like, it's... It's difficult because, I mean, there's only so much. There's only so much room at the top. And I would say that some people do have better careers on Raw and SmackDown. Let's take a look at Elias. He wasn't that great at NXT, but he's doing just fine on Raw and SmackDown. Like, 
like um he's one of the outliers because most of it's the other way around like, like, it's not every time, like, okay, like, some, some people actually do better on Ross, Ross, man, because they actually, like, find their footing there than, like, than what they did in NXT, because, like, there's so many, there's so many people on NXT, like, damn, there's a lot of star power here already, and then you never know what, or what might catch fire on Ross now. so, like, I still understand where Daniel's coming from, like, there was still so much that he wanted to do and could have done in NXT, it's like, were you there for, like, a year and a half? He was there for a good minute. It was, it was definitely over a year. I remember, I remember he first got signed. That he spent like a lot of time in the PC before he actually debuted. So like, I understand like where he's coming from. Like he could have did. He um, yes. Your mustache is overlapping your lip. Yeah, I know. Are you gonna fix it? It's bothering me. <laughs> it's bothering me to look at. I mean, my face bothers a lot of people. Okay, so. shut up. But, but trim uh, down your mustache. Oh, I want that body fish. Trim down, <laughs> but it's not over his lip. It's bothering me. I get the Booker T. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I I see where Damon's coming from. Like, um, I do think like eventually um he'll get the chance to like do to do a uh, like Finn Balor deal, like go back to NXT and like you know possibly pursue the NXT championship. I like that on my foot. But before we continue on with our NXT and our takeover predictions, we gotta talk Bow Wizzle. Sad Moss, Lil Bow Wow, my boy. I used to be in love with him, you know, for cheating on my sister Sierra. But, you know, let's talk some Bow Wizzle. Now, my, my good buddy Bow Wow took to Twitter <laughs> and he said, Now, I know this might sound crazy, <laughs> but after I drop my last album, I will focus on TV and film. And album. shut up. <laughs> and joining the WWE, it's been a long, lifelong childhood dream to wrestle in the WWE. So that, I mean, for everybody, you know, to that good buddy T-Bar of Retribution said, it doesn't sound crazy. It is crazy. Don't make us destroy you. Also, like Mike sucked, (laughs) which get that heat, man. (laughs) I didn't like Mike is not a movie that I will watch forever, but like it was fine. And to that, and to that Bow Wow responded, are you mad? Cause I'll become champ faster than you. Or are you mad that like Mike is more legendary than you will ever be? Drops Mike. <laughs> so, Kiki, do you think we're going to be seeing Mr. Bow Wizzle, Mr. Chad Moss, in the WWE? At this point, I don't even know. Nothing um, would surprise me. <laughs> Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if you did. Like, you know what? It's WrestleMania season. He might pop I up. Mean, According to like from pictures I've seen, like people went, went to a Bow Wow concert, so I, you know, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised. And I I want to see T Bar versus Bow Wow now, just because the interaction. I <laughs> think it's what, funny. Why you gotta come for like Mike? <laughs> <laughs> like damn, you need more movies, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, name one. Like Mike. No, besides like Mike. Lottery ticket. There you go. It took you a while. <laughs> yeah, I have to think about it. But yeah, I don't. I prefer like Mike to lottery ticket. <laughs> but I mean, I, I I can see it. You know, I yeah, just like, I think he lacks the star power right now to get as much like oh Bow Wow's on Raw. No, if it was little Bow Wow. Yeah, if you would did this like fifteen <laughs> years ago, hell yeah, everybody would be down. No, little Bow Wow, you bet, bet, bet. <laughs> but oh, never mind. He was a minor, so they wouldn't really be able to do much. About Nicholas, that. he didn't. He didn't get hit. 
still there. He ain't get hit. Dominic, when he was there as a kid. He didn't get he hit. Get, he had a ladder match. He didn't get hit. Crazy. He didn't die. Not yet. Let's <laughs> get a few years. He ago. doesn't have as pretty of a face as Bow Wow that makes little girls go crazy. Shut up. Um, Who are you talking about? Bow Wow? I'm talking um, about when he was younger? Oh my gosh. Don't do that. Dominic was a cute little kid, but he wasn't Bow Wow famous. He was famous because, you know, we have, we have no writing that's for custody. Twitter didn't exist, so, you know, nobody was able to tweet their displeasure. Imagine. Imagine how all custody battles, like, happen. Uh, ladder match. Or what? Ladder. Ladder match. What, what's a ladder match? So I'm talking, we saw it on TV. We thought we were big guy. You know what? It sounded cool, so we're going to do it. Okay? So every custody battle is a ladder match now. Every single one. Congratulations. <laughs> this will determine the paternity of this child. Wait, what? Mike well, is I'm, I'm clearly dead. Prove it. <laughs> what? How am I? I'm, I'm proving it right. No, you have to like. Um, custody papers. Briefcase. Ladder. Duh. That's how Come you on do. now. Don't be stupid. <laughs> Come on. You think just because the DNA test proved this? It could have been wrong. <laughs> so, ladder match. Now. That's, that's not going to be from Omari for now. I would love that. <laughs> I would love that. But you know what? Let's keep continue the theme of NXT because we talked about. Up. Yeah. Anyway. Nice. Thanks for interrupting me. We talked about the limited title. Right and it did because you need to shave it. It's over your freaking lip. And your top lip's not that big anyway. I'm helping you out. God. <laughs> Whatever. I don't care. Do what you want. It's your face. You're not ugly. Shut up. 24 years. Shut up. Anyway, sticks and stuff may break my bones, but in more NXT titles never hurt me. Now, in addition to the media call where uh, Trips discussed Edge, he also discussed the possibility of adding another female women's title to the match. In this, he said... Uh, I think those conversations happen. I think you're always looking to make it everything that it can be. You also want to make sure you don't water things down. I'm not a big fan of having many titles in the organization that are just like everybody's constantly making their way to a different title all the time, but I don't believe it's always about those championships. There's a lot about different storytelling. There's definitely a thought that is in mind, and we'll just have to see how it goes. I think the women's division has increased in size. People were talking about that a few years ago, but I don't realize the depth I don't believe the depth and the size was there to warrant it. It's getting to the size it is now. They certainly could handle it. So, yeah, those are conversations that we've had a lot. So, do you think that they should bring in another women's championship to NXT? No. I thought they should use more women they have on NXT because um, uh, I think the next signing of women they have is like one of their biggest, biggest classes. Like, yeah. So, like, huh, so, y'all have even more women to... <laughs> Uh, like obviously that won't be on TV immediately, immediately, but like that's a lot of people. Like you still have a lot of people that you still have, like need to use like more of. Like just look at um the Robert Stone brand. Like you have two women working with Aaliyah and um Jesse Kinnea. Like I need y'all to push the Robert Stone brand. Uh, Robert uh, Stone brand. Yeah, I did it. Do it again. Like I like I like it's something there because like. Um, there's something you, you really don't see a lot, like, um, basically there's, like, someone, like, managing, like, two women, y'all see, like, he's probably sometimes, uh, a, a guy managing a guy or one woman managing uh, another guy, but you rather see, like, um, a guy managing two women to 
um, boost them up, especially when, like. What are you talking about? You trying to say he can't control his women? <laughs> we not we not gonna do this. <laughs> that's a that's a thing that happened. People are weird. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I feel like especially um with uh, as many women like NXT has, especially like that tag team division in um NXT, because they actually have women who actually are competing in tag team. Like, tag team like Ember Moon. I feel like I feel like Ember Moon is best fit in a tag team. Because okay. um. Like we we going to say she's she's like great like singles wrestler but I feel like she's this is like personal opinion I feel like she's better as a tag team wrestler tag team wrestler as a tag team wrestler I feel like she's better as a tag team wrestler I feel like um she's really finding her footing there and I feel like she just need like a tag team partner to like do that I agree with that but I don't think Shotzi's better in a tag team yeah so I don't know who's gonna replace Shotzi but you know someone in the beginning but um I do think like um. I don't think they they necessarily need one. Um, if if they do eventually bring one on, it would be interesting to see how like they implement it in like the weekly um show. I don't think they need one either, just because in the last month or so we haven't seen much of the current NXT Women's Champion. But I think that also kind of plays to the um Dusty Rhodes Classic. I think I mean it's it's tag team match after tag team match, so it's kind of hard. But um. It is a lot of depth there, so I can totally understand the conversations behind it. But in this case, if they were going to do that and they want to showcase all that depth, then it would kind of make sense to have an NXT for the NXT. You know what I'm saying? Like kind of just showing the progression of the talents you have because you can't show everybody in two hours. Because you had a problem with doing it in one hour. Imagine how it's still going to be tough with two hours, especially with the classes, especially with more and more women joining the fold. So, because even though we're seeing a lot more women on the roster through these tag team matches, when are we going to see them again? Not for a while. Unless you like have like a consistency in like your women's tag team division, which given like duty as as a whole, like you see that you're like you you have a couple women on there, but. We don't really see y'all in tag team. Like, we see y'all together, but not much as in tag team wrestling. Um, so, like, basically, as, like, women's tag team division as a whole, like, if you want to bring more women on and, like, actually put them in tag team, because, like, these are women that we don't know who they are. So, like, we can't, we can't say, oh, this is, this is a random team, but, together, like, we, don't, we have to know who y'all are. So, like, this would be a good way to showcase who y'all are. Hmm, maybe it'd be crazy if um, they had an evolution. A what? NXT TakeOver. Evolution. Talk, talk. Triple H. No, 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 no. I'm no. talking about, you know, the women's pay-per-view. No, no, evolution is a mystery, you know? It, it is, because we haven't yeah. seen it since. It's full of change no one sees, like, literally. Yeah, because, <laughs> but I loved it, you know? I, I think this would be a perfect time to have an evolution to showcase that talent. Even if it's, like, not, you know, the pay-per-view that it was at first. Like, if it's just, like, a way for women. Like, mm-hmm. or just bring back the freaking Mae Young Classic. Boom. Do that. I mean, at this point, if y'all don't bring it back this year, I don't even know what y'all are doing. Especially if y'all are going on about WrestleMania because they said they try to implement a travel ban in Florida. Yeah, okay. Like, sure. hmm. Okay. Yeah, sure. Do what you want. Florida. It ain't happening. In Florida, okay. Florida's a wild, wild west in the east. It ain't happening, boss. But you know what time? We'll, we'll see what happens. But you want to know what is happening? NXT TakeOver. Vengeance Day. Squirtle, squirtle. Shut up. I don't know. How do you do anything? Let's start off with the men's Dusty Road Classic Final. 
MSK going against the grizzled young veterans. I'm going MSK. Even though I feel like grizzled young vets are going to win. Honestly, with this match, I have no idea who's going to win this match because. um, My feet are cold. Mine too. Mine too. Maybe if you didn't have it all bright in here. But the sun is. According to you, videos. Don't you get testy. Give me your pick, by golly. Don't you do Um, that. Considering that the champs are team 1 2. I'm looking at Daniel Bridge, y'all know who that is. Um, I'm gonna say MSK. MSK for the win, even though I really do want GYB to win. Um, I like either way. Um, it's boosting like the, it's boosting the tag team division because we saw like mainly all the teams that had doing it on um, the Dusty Classic. So I feel like it'd be a good way. Like, hey, you got some, you got some nice tag team here. And this is gonna be the future tag team division. Like, hey, let's go. Let's go. I don't know when the tattoo match is going to be, but, you know, they can do it, too. It'll be when it be. All right. Women's Dusty Road Classic. Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart versus Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. Who you got? I'm going with the team I want to win, which is Dakota and Raquel. Because I feel like um, they've been together for a year now. And I feel like this, like, uh, if you want to make Raquel one of the new powerhouses of the division, like you can start, off, start her off um, with the women's tag titles. And you know, build to eventual potential potential breakup between two. You know, they don't need to break them up, but you know, that's how most tag teams are in WWE now. We're gonna break you up, you know, Duh. we have to. Of course. <laughs> but I'm going um, with Kill and Dakota. I would like that, but I think that they're gonna go Shotzi and Ember. One because I feel like it will be a boost for them because Raquel and Dakota don't really need it, and I think that Raquel's gonna go like on a solo run soon. Like I could see her. Contending with whoever wins the NXT Women's Championship, which we'll give our picks to that shortly. And um, so, yeah, I think that that's more so the route that they're going to take. And with regards to Shotzi and Ember, neither of them have done much individually in the since War Games. So I feel like uh, this could be a way to, like, boost both of them and, like, you know, be great. And I, I think that, um, honestly, I think that Ember... Especially for Ember, because Ember's kind of just been like there. Like when she came, it was like, oh, snap. And then, like, since it's just been kind of, you know. Stagnant. Yeah, and I think that this would be a good way to provide a boost. And, um, yeah, and then mainly it's because I feel like Raquel is just going to go more so to do her own thing. All right, North American Championship. We got Johnny Gargano versus Kushida. I got my main man, Johnny. I'm going Kushida here. Because, um, I just want, I just want, uh, I just want to like see if you have like have like a run with a championship. I know, um, given like the time, like he's been on the injury list for a minute, and we we all know how good Kushida is, and we all know um, how good Gargano is, like um, with the championship. But um, I just want to see how good Kushida, like Kushida is. Plus, like I feel like I feel like he's a part of me. For like Johnny is better when he's chasing the title as well. I love this. I, I love I, I, this I, I run. Love this, but I feel like he's he's like even funnier when he's chasing the title. Like he's playing like he's 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 fantastic now. But with the North American Championship, I feel like this here run has been like one. Now I feel like this is is his best run in NXT. Um, you know, I'm just going with something different. That's all. Fair enough. All right, NXT Women's Championship triple threat between champion Io Shirai. Versus my dog, Mercedes Martinez. 
and Tony Storm, aka the thickest thighs alive. Who you got? I'm going with Mercedes. I would love that. I would mark out. I'm because like she can do this, and EO she taking she doesn't have to take the pin or submission, and that can build to a one on one match between those two. That'd be hot. So I'm Such a good match. picking Mercedes, but I will not be. I won't be mad with either winner, but I also won't be surprised if EO retains and you know, still get eventually, eventually one on one match between both of them. You know. Hate to break it to y'all, but uh, it's Tony time in ZWWE. It's her return to the states because she really hasn't done much since the May Young Classic prior to you know War Games and all that. And NCBK, but people don't watch you. No, I'm saying like to the states, like her first time being back here. Been Tony time. It's been talked about. It's been waited for, and I think it's time for the Tonys to do it. Right now, I think that with EO. She's been a great champion, but no yeah, no storylines have really developed, and I feel like it may it's time to turn the tide. I love Mercedes, I love her. Y'all don't understand how much I love Mercedes Martinez, but I feel like Tony Storm right now is more so the in option because she's more popular. She can get more eyes on the product, and because we can get two great matches, one on one match between her and Io and her and Mercedes. Also, Tony, she's. Cause she returned the same night as Embry, like both of them have, have been on a somewhat parallel level. So Tony, she's been on TV more, so like it it would make sense for honestly, I I don't want these three women to win. Yeah, I wouldn't. I think you can't really go wrong with either. The only thing is, if it is EO, you have to make a storyline. You have to make something come out of it. Because like like her match has been phenomenal. I think this is like one one of the small things that. I don't like about like NC's um different other women like they could they have been storyline like um Shotzi and um what's her name Candice mm-hmm. like there's storyline that like they have storylines like throughout the show like when it comes to, like the title like the main title there's been very little storyline for the champion um since basically since um Charlotte and um, Rhea yeah it, even that storyline wasn't that long because. It was only like a month. Then like, um, EO wanted and that had been very little storyline except for that small one scene. EO and um, Rhea. I would say Candice and EO had a story. Yeah. But I mean, I besides like that, that they, they, they could have pulled along with a little longer. Story, those, those matches are great though. Yeah, they have great chemistry. But yeah, I mean, regardless of who's champion, like there has to be a storyline because there's more storyline outside of the women's championship mm-hmm. than there is with it. But I mean, you know, life. And now to the NXT Championship, we got Finn Boy Balor defending his title against my man's Pete Doom. I'm going Finn, but I want okay. with all my might Pete to win. This thing about with NXT and their their matches and storylines is sometimes it gets very hard to predict who's gonna win because like they make they make their booking like not in like. They don't, they don't constantly fight each other. They fight other people to build them up, which I appreciate. Like, that, like if you want to do 50 50 booking, that's how you do it. Don't have them fight each other all the time. Shit. We're going gonna, to gonna shut off your mic. You better shut up. <laughs> better shut your pie hole. But I'll make it cake. With this match, I'm going Pete Dunn. I hope you're right. 
Piggy be the first man to hold both NXT UK and NXT Championship. Much like his sister from another Mister did. God, you can't. I feel like I feel like they're they, I feel like they're spiritual siblings. Um, Pete and Rhea because they're evil and crazy <laughs> and brutal, but awesome. They have knee tattoos. We shall see. We we have a lot of um. We only agree on one match, <laughs> so there really shouldn't be much need for a tiebreaker. Let's do it. Let's get a tiebreaker. Just in case the tiebreaker this time is who takes the loss, aka pin or submission in the Dusty Road matches. You get half a point for each. Um, I'm gonna go with James Drake <laughs> and Dakota Kai. I can see James Drake. <laughs> um, so you you pick it. You pick case so It's gotta be somebody from the Grizzly Young Vets, and then you pick you pick uh, Dakota and she Raquel. So it's gotta be between Shotzi and Ember. So he, can you get your hair off this pillow, please? And thank you. I almost elbowed you in the face. Give me tiebreakers. Gosh. So. You hair picking. I would say dude. for this one, I can say, um, yeah, and then like, I, I see James in the pen. Sorry, I do like James though. Um, yeah, but does for, he like you? Of course not. Okay. Um, and for the other one, I'm saying uh, she's only been pinned like once. So I'm say Amber. Okay. Damn, Amber, she has not lost a lot of matches since she returned. She also hasn't done too too much. Okay, I, I thought we were going to. All right, well, that's our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, please be sure to check out the export.net. I repeat, the export.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled ZX Report. Brother Keys, do you have anything you'd like to say before we close out this bad boy? It's cold. And you northern. I'm a northerner. You southerner. <laughs> yeah. My feet are cold, but it's because you got the you got the light shining in. Are you turning well. Yeah, but that wouldn't have helped. It was helping. No, it wasn't. I was warmer. No, you weren't. I was. You're a liar. Anyway, um, I really don't got nothing besides uh, I love NXT takeovers. This is shaping up to be a great one. Let's go pitch a team in Mercedes Martinez. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you all next time.